Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Scott Furrow. Welcome to Southern California Live. It's good to be with you today on this fine Wednesday afternoon, June 8th, day after Election Day, primary Election Day anyway. We'll gear up for the next round of all that. So uh, maybe we can get on to talking about some other things. But uh, the election is just going to be kind of in the air, isn't it, uh, for a while. How do we get past that and have some better conversation? One of the things that happened today that is a developing story, uh, but a terrible one, is somebody was arrested for attempting or getting ready to attempt, I suppose, uh, to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh and was found outside of his home with a weapon and said that he wanted to kill him. And it was over, according to uh, news reports at this point. And by the way, things change, you know, so as things develop, we might hear different things as we learn some stuff. Uh, I'll share kind of the latest with you here in a minute. It is a huge deal. If somebody were to actually do this, and uh, assassinate a Supreme Court justice. The the intimidation of the Supreme Court or any court, it's bad uh, in any way, whatever your side is. Apparently he's upset about the potential release, uh, potential decision that was uh, leaked being the real decision about Roe versus Wade uh, a couple of months ago. We still don't have the real decision yet. We also still don't know who did it. Um, And, you know, we need to ratchet it down. You know, our, our, country and you know the it's not them you know they need to do it yes but we need to do it ourselves as best we can we got to be really careful about our words and the things that we put out there on social media i'll give you a current example in the last hour i mentioned uh something in the news there's a military plane in osprey that crashed in uh uh in el centro area of uh california and the rumor was, the headline, the headline that is still on some news sites is that it was containing some nuclear material. So that's kind of what makes it a big deal, right? But um, now it's being reported that it's not, that that part was just made up. Uh, according to Fox News right now, contrary to initial reports, there was no nuclear material on board the aircraft. Um, you know, why would there be nuclear stuff on the aircraft? And how does that get around, right? I mean, that's uh, that kind of thing should, you know, panics people. You go, why are they carrying it on that aircraft? Doesn't seem like one that would have it. So it doesn't make sense if you think about it. Most of the time, stuff doesn't really make sense uh, right away. Anyway, we should be concerned about uh, the families of those who are lost. Uh, no word officially on survivors. It's assumed, I think, that maybe five uh, servicemen were uh, on the aircraft and probably did not survive. That's what the initial report said, but I don't know. Hopefully they they walked away from that. When we get into this other subject, um, what is driving a person to do this? So an armed man allegedly said he wanted to give his life a purpose by killing Brett Kavanaugh. Um, And they've released his name. I'm not going to mention his name. And he was arrested last night outside of Kavanaugh's home with a gun, a knife, pepper spray, zip ties, and a crowbar and a hammer, Uh, all of that stuff. 
This is Southern California Live, by the way. I'm Scott Furrow. You can call me and join the conversation. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. The uh, person who did this comes from right here in California, from uh, Simi Valley, took a taxi. Did he take a taxi from here all the way to Washington? That would be, uh, no, took a taxi from uh, the airport, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how he got out there. He must have flown out there. Uh, this article doesn't say. It says he took a taxi to... Uh, Kavanaugh's home, and he was armed with a Glock 17 handgun, a knife, pepper spray, zip ties, a nail punch, crowbar, and hammer, uh, according to a complaint filed by prosecutors just a few minutes ago. He told the officers, apparently, he singled out Kavanaugh because of the leaked draft opinion that would overturn Roe versus Wade, and uh, which affirms uh, the right to abortion. He also allegedly was angry about recent mass shootings and feared that Kavanaugh would weaken gun control laws. It sounds, it's just, the story's a little fishy. <clears throat> just, you know, wait, you know, kind of see what comes up. But maybe that's that's it. But if you're, if you're upset about mass shootings, you're going to go shoot somebody? I mean, maybe that's the logic of somebody. Uh, but this would be really bad. What is concerning is that we are a nation that divides further and further by our rhetoric, even from our leaders, from people who are in power. And we've got to find a way to, to ratchet that down. We've got too many things that are important. And if a Supreme Court justice gets assassinated, it could change the country. It really could. It is, you know, we haven't dealt with uh, that kind of violence in our country for a while. But if you were around, you know, when President Kennedy was shot or earlier this week was the anniversary of um, Robert F. Kennedy being assassinated, Martin Luther King being assassinated the same year. Um, we're not really over it. You know, some people have written, right, that that's the day the innocents died in our country, uh, even though we'd had these things happen before. It's it's not good. And, you know, I'm concerned that it's in the way we speak. And certainly our leaders speak this way. Famously, um, we've seen a few people uh, do that uh, not too long ago. Um, there was a lot of chanting, and, I, and I'm I'm thinking about this because I think it's coming up again. All right, Senator uh, Chuck Schumer uh, threatened uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch in a speech. This is what he said shortly after the leak of the uh, potential abortion ruling. Play clip two. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, I don't know what, you know, I don't think he meant we're going to unleash personal violence against these Supreme Court justices. Probably not what he meant. He probably meant uh, political whirlwind. He probably meant, you know, if you if you watch that whole speech, it's very short. It's only a couple of minutes long. And uh, he starts talking about how all the Republicans are going to vote him out in November, that kind of thing. And it's, it's very politicized. You know, I don't think he's calling for violence against these guys, except he is the leader of the Senate for the majority party. And. Making these statements, the problem is, especially when you are a leader, this is what's going on with uh, the January 6th stuff, which I think is probably going to be a show tomorrow. But one of the accusations against President Trump is that, Mr. President, you should have known better that when you tell people the election is stolen, people are going to believe it. And if the election was, in fact, stolen, 
then people are going to rise up. That's what's going to happen because you're the leader. And the same thing can apply right here to Senator Schumer. Hey, you're the leader. There are people out there who are going to hear these words that you say. If you listen to Donald Trump's words, he did not say go down to the Capitol and uh, and break through the police barricades and invade the Capitol. Uh, he didn't say that. That's what some people might have heard, though, or maybe some people had those plans. Um, you know, they're going to argue that he had those plans. I don't know. I guess we'll see that in the show uh, here. But one of the good arguments that's there is, hey, if you're in leadership, and this is true wherever you are in leadership, if you are leading your company, if you are a pastor, if you are a, a parent, you know, if you're a teacher, you, you got to be real careful sometimes about the things that you say. Um, and it's hard. You know, I've, I've made mistakes with things that I've said that get misinterpreted. I don't think I've said something that, that inspires someone to violence. Um, I hope not. I certainly haven't heard about that. Uh, but Senator Schumer, when you say you will pay the price and you say these things, there are people out there who right now in our country are inspired to violence. And that's got to be uh, shut down. The shooter in Buffalo was inspired to violence because of all this conversation about uh, the Great Replacement and all those theories. Like there's some conspiracy out there that uh, this kid got into. This shooter in Uvalde was into uh, who knows what. I guess we'll figure that out eventually. We've got to be able to tone it down. And, you know, the scriptures have a lot to say about how we speak to each other. It's very important. It doesn't say don't be bold. You know, I think maybe when Senator Schumer says, Schumer, uh, Schumer says that, that he is just kind of being a tough guy, right? I'm a tough guy politician, and, uh, you know, I'm going to say these things. And may that become part of our, our politics, that people feel like that's necessary. I don't think it is. I think speaking boldly about things that are true should be part of our politics. When you listen to speeches, say, from Ronald Reagan, he spoke very boldly and direct about all kinds of things. You know, and he had some good things to say that I think people understood. There's a great, I'll probably play it in a couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, his, his, he made some comments about abortion, and he might have been the only one, including his wife, who was really against it, who were in the inner circle of the White House. You know, one of the things he said that's pretty profound, particularly for about 1981, 82, is he said, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that everyone who is arguing for a pro-choice position has been born you know, that's a pretty good argument there, and he said it in a kind way. I think our leaders can be bold and uh, not be rude. Uh, we can make a point. I think we all can do that. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, you know, the actor, Matthew McConaughey, you know, all right, all right, all right, all right, that guy. Uh, I started saying that one time for a long time. I couldn't get it out of my head. Every time I'd walk into a room, I'd clap my hands, and I'd go, all right, all right, all right, all right, that guy. Um, he was invited to the White House and uh, had a few things to say about the gun violence thing. It's a little different for him being a celebrity and talking about the Uvalde shooting because he's at least born there, that he, you know, he has a personal connection. He's not just coming out of the woodwork as a, you know, I mean, he's probably being used somewhat when you're speaking from a White House podium all of a sudden, although what he said from the podium was um, different than some of the positions uh, that the White House has. This is uh, Matthew McConaughey knocking down a common talking point against um, um, what some people are arguing about, the requirement to buy AR-15s, and, and trying to have a conversation. Is there anything we can do? And, and there's great discussion and debate 
about whether any of these laws would do any good whatsoever. Okay, people kind of have different opinions. Stuff we can have that conversation. We can have it kindly. I like to say this. I think that most Americans on most issues are in a lot more agreement than some of our rhetoric would indicate. What's interesting, too, about this election and the the turnout being so low is it's hard to know what people think because the voters have not been heard. Most of the voters didn't vote. That's a huge problem for us. Most of the voters aren't voting, and many of the voters who do vote are, are not looking into what it is they're voting for. But I think if you really got people around, when I have conversations with people, there's disagreements. There's a lot of disagreement about guns. Uh, A lot of it's nuanced, though. There's some things that are said that are probably not true on both sides. And there are things that are said that we should at least look into. You know, is it going to stop most of these shootings? No. Uh, Once again, that goes back to the wisdom of morality and the the choices that we're making in our families and in our communities and our and the role that the church is able to play outside the walls of its community has been shortened. And there's, there's a lot more that we can do um, if we would just go back to some of those things, if we would get into uh, what is taught about wisdom. But I think that there is an easier way to say things. If you want to join our conversation, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557. This is Matthew McConaughey on uh, the Brett Baer program on Fox News uh, earlier yesterday. Play clip three. Well, here's the thing, Red. Look, I've been talking to so many that are gun owners that own AR-15s, that are responsible gun owners. And I hear so many of them saying, yeah, pause after purchase. I like that idea. Hey, 18 to 21 for that AR-15 style rifle. Yeah. Because you know what the difference is, and the argument would be, well, at 18, go in the military. Well, they're going to the military with a intention, intent and purpose. All right? And even going to the military, it's like over a week of training before they're ever putting a live, live round into that semi-automatic. All right? That's with intention and purpose. We're talking about it here in the civil society to be able to go purchase that kind of weapon. And then that afternoon, do what you will with it. I think we could be more responsible than that. Yes, sir, I do. It's an interesting thing. I'm not arguing one way or the other for his point, except that I think you can make that point. And he's right. The, the argument, well, the 18-year-olds are in the military, is, it's, not a, it's not a good argument. And the reason why is exactly what he said. You go into the military, and yes, they, they hand you a weapon, but you don't get to just go out and leave the base with your AR-15 or whatever weapon they're giving you and just do what you want with it. You are trained. You are supervised. You don't really own it. It is a completely different environment, and it isn't to to say one way or the other that the the age restrictions should be changed. Um, it's just a it's not an argument that follows. Does that make sense? It's not something that uh, we're not talking about whether or not an eighteen year old can be held responsible for it. Some people would argue both ways, right? They'd say, well, if we can send you to war, we can help let you buy a gun at eighteen, right? Or we should let you buy a beer at eighteen or whatever it is, rent a car. I get those kinds of arguments. I think that we can talk nicely about these things. I think that when we encourage each other in different ways, we can speak boldly, but that we can actually make a difference in how we speak. I think as Christians, we're called to do this. I think we should be the the voice more often of reason and boldness 
in society, but say things in a kind way. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation today. Um, and I think the things that we say in public, the things that we say in our social media, they matter because we don't know how it's influencing people. I've said it before. I've been looking at uh, you know these statistics that they throw out for guns and the gun violence and the the rising of, of mass shootings or shootings in general. I mean, we, we sensationalize the mass shooting and we skip the fact that dozens of people are killed all the time in gun violence. And I actually think that most of us sitting together, we there are a lot of things that we would agree on, gun safety, gun training. I think most people agree on uh, most of the, or if not all of uh, some background checks and waiting periods. I don't think it takes away your ability to defend yourself against uh, the, the government, should the government come after you in uh, that sort of way. 888-528-2557. Chris, uh, welcome to Southern California Live. Where are you calling from, Chris? Hey, Scott, I appreciate the subject. And yeah, I'm the one that normally calls and at the end of the, the show. So I, I try to oh, for you. Hi, Chris. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I always see, I, I think we're probably in, a, in agreement for the most part but maybe my view is a little bit, uh, I, I don't want to say left or right, but it's maybe a little bit different than yours. I, I, I believe people should be responsible that own guns, but I also believe that if the government has guns of mass destruction, um, if they want to be tyrannical, I believe the citizens should ha- be able to defend ourselves from uh, you know, tanks or bombs or whatever they're going to use to get their tyrannical uh, position. So I know that may sound very crazy to a lot of people, um, but I guess maybe you're on the other side of the fence. Can you describe to me or give me some other position that you would think, because uh, I don't think there needs to be more stricter laws. I think maybe there needs to be stricter punishments. So if people murder someone, maybe make a stricter punishment to where people don't want to murder people. Um, but I'd love to hear your arguments uh, as opposed to what I'm you know, proposing. All right, Chris, I appreciate your call. You calling from Westminster? Is that where you're calling from? Yes, sir. That's correct. All right. All right. Hey, Chris, I appreciate uh, your call. Chris, uh, if you haven't listened, he calls, uh, he's called a couple of times, like right before we sign off the air with great questions like that one. Um, the number is 888-528-2557. I think where Chris is coming from is um, and this is the this is the the thinking when we're thinking about the Second Amendment. When you really study what the founding fathers thought, and and in a lot of ways what they assumed. You know, they're coming out of a world that really isn't different than today, but they're coming out of a world where they where it had dawned on them, where societies had realized that uh, God, for example, should be outside of government. That government serves God ultimately. That's why we have statements in our founding documents uh, that we have certain inalienable rights that have been granted to us by our creator, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. When we look at the rights that are enumerated in the Constitution and you have the Second Amendment, uh, the right to bear arms, and people have the argument about, uh, you know, is it uh, the right to bear arms like for individuals or is it, um, you know, the part about an organized militia? Well, when you really study it, the reason that the Supremes and other courts always end up on the side of of individual gun rights is because that is what the Founding Fathers thought. It was kind of assumed, of course, you would have a weapon. 
uh, Biden keeps saying, uh, he didn't say it the other night, and I was glad, because he keeps saying that uh, you couldn't own a cannon. There's always been restrictions. You couldn't own a cannon. No, it's not true. You could own a cannon, actually. It's completely not true. And if you doubt me, the Washington Post, the liberal Washington Post, gives Biden four Pinocchios on that statement. You could own a cannon. You could own weapons of war, whatever they were back then in those days. And, in fact, the Constitution has a provision in Article 2 that allows the the Congress basically to go get your weapons if we needed them for war. It assumed that you owned weapons, okay? Uh, Not take them away permanently, but to borrow them, that kind of thing. Um, So my opinion on on this, first of all, my opinion is that the problem – we maybe there's some things that we can do legislatively with guns and stuff. It's fine. And if it prevents things, that's, that's great. But the problem is much deeper than this, that, that when you look at our history of our country and the history of violence, it goes right into the, the family and societal structures, not operating like they should. The government has particular things that it is supposed to do in particular uh, the government's one of the government's big roles is defending us from foreign adversaries. Okay, um, that's why you have the government, the federal government, would put together armies and navies and air force, marines, coast guard, all the different groups, space force, the new one. Um, the church has a role in the society. I think that one of our problems, frankly, is that the the church has allowed itself to be removed from taking care of people in need in the society, and we've given that to the government. And, you know, it's an amazing thing about our country that the government would care, but it's not really the government's job. That's why it's not working that well. You know whose job it is? It's, it's our job to take care of each other. And then there is the structure of the family, and the family is supposed to operate, mother and father, and they are supposed to teach their kids, just like we read in the Proverbs a few minutes ago and raise our kids and put them on the right path. Those three things breaking down are ultimately the reason for the increasing gun violence and violence and homelessness and drug abuse and all those different things. Those three areas of leadership, either abdicating their particular role or not being functional anymore, that's why we have problems. And i got to take a break, and I'll continue answering the question as soon as we get back. I'll tell you what I think um, as far as where I think Chris is coming from on the question. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can join the conversation at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Before the break, uh, Chris from Westminster asked me my opinion about the uh, Second Amendment and kind of the issue of gun control and what kinds of things are allowed. And what he was talking about is his view, if I'm stating it correctly, that if the federal government can have certain weapons, then the people should have certain weapons. And I think where he's headed with that and is that the real purpose of that Second Amendment, the reason it's number two, right, the reason it's right there is because there was a a real clear sense from our founding fathers that government needs to be limited, and to prevent tyranny, you have to make sure that the the people are able to arm themselves. Now, there's other reasons, of course. There's hunting, and there's, you know, other, you know, uh, you can defend yourself in your homes and things like that. 
I'm looking for today. There was a lot of testimony on the Hill today, and most of the attention, almost in fact, all the attention during the break, I was looking for it. Uh, all of the uh, stuff I found is uh, people who are supporting some of the gun control potential laws. Uh, lots of parents talking about their their kids who are victims in uh, Uvalde or Buffalo or their family, and it's just heart wrenching stuff. All of it. Um, one woman who's an African American woman. And she's the one I'm looking for, and I've not been able to find this clip. I watched it live today, uh, and I'll find it. She gave a – her testimony was none of these gun control laws are going to work. Her son was murdered. Um, I'm assuming gang violence is kind of what she alluded to. Uh, she said this is life in the in the streets in the community. Her son was murdered while he was playing uh, dominoes. Uh, somebody just walked up and shot him in the head, and it was a terrible story. And her view is – there's no time for the police to come that these laws aren't going to would you know do anything is what she was saying it was very emotional so you have people kind of on all sides right of uh that argument today my opinion is the second amendment is written not just so that you can carry a gun it's written to make sure that the government can't by ways of violence um oppress you uh in the ways of tyranny okay that's that's what i think it means and I think some of the arguments that we have today are, are complicated because, yes, those founding fathers probably could not have understood the type of violence that would come from uh, a weapon like an AR-15. And they could not probably, you know, I, I think they could have had some sense. They were smart guys. You know, they could, I think people had some sense of what's coming, right? Uh, nuclear weapons, of course, they probably didn't have a thought about. There are other things. And so the argument today is, well, if they were here today, would they say everybody has the right to certain weapons? Um, There's probably a line to it. Can you have your own um, portable nuclear device? Um, I would say no uh, to that. Uh, There's got to be some limit somewhere. The problem, I think, for AR-15 or similar weapons that they're trying to ban is, philosophically, is that if the government has those weapons – government officials that could be turned against you one day, well, then it's less likely to happen if the citizens also have those weapons, okay? So, and I think that is a a big part of the intention of the Second Amendment. I do. I think that's why it's there. I think that uh, the right to bear arms um, is important for the freedom of society. I think maybe the reason that we haven't changed our Constitution in 250 years, except for a few amendments, um, is in part because of that. I think um, for sure, tyrannies develop, and one of the things you do in a tyranny is you take away the weapons of the people, the ability of them to defend themselves. That's There's a historical precedent for that. On the other hand, you know, is it, are we breaking the that meaning of the Second Amendment if we hold gun owners responsible for not locking up their weapons? I've mentioned before, I know two families who lost their little kids because their little kid found a loaded weapon in the house and uh, shot themselves. Or in one case, uh, one kid said, hey, I want to show you my dad's gun. And they went and got dad's gun, and he accidentally shot his friend. He's three years old. Um, Should parents be accountable for that? Uh, That happens a lot, that kind of accidental shooting. Um, You know, to me, I I think, uh, and I'm not a gun owner, so maybe I need to hear from gun owners uh, what uh, the clip was. And I'm not a gun owner because I'm against it. Um, In a way, I'm I'm not a gun owner because... Um, I know those stories and I would, I couldn't live with myself if that happened in my household. 
uh, it's uh, but it doesn't mean that I'm against it. Uh, you know, as a as a Christian, you know, these things. Um, I don't think there's a line in it in the scriptures that say you can or cannot own a weapon. There's a lot in the scripture about being nonviolent, but nonviolence is not the same thing as being a pacifist. Okay, um, those things are completely different. And I think one of the arguments that is being made is that every time these things happen, we the people who get punished are the law-abiding citizens. Maybe punished is too strong a word, but the people that the laws affect are the people who are going to keep the laws and not the criminals. And I think it gets more and more complicated. So I don't know if I'm answering your question. I mean, I think I agree with you philosophically. I don't know that, that it's necessary that um, I should own a tank just because the government has a tank. But philosophically, I get it. You know, the idea is, well, if the government can bring a tank against my me, then I should be able to also have my own tank. Um, at some point, it seems like it jumps a little bit into the absurd to me um, when it gets in the tanks or missiles or things like that. Um, is the government going to turn tanks and missiles on us? Governments around the world have done that, though, haven't they? Um, and I think what we're really arguing about in the country, though, is not what law-abiding citizens are doing, but criminals and what they do. You know, how do we keep the guns out of the the criminally insane person? How do we keep the weapons out of people who we we know are going to use them for bad? That's one of the things that's coming out about a lot of these shootings is that it's it's not some kid who nobody knew that this person was going to do this, that actually when once you dig into it, usually the police are aware of this person. You know, this Uvalde kid was shooting BBs, was shooting BBs at police cars and, and people. The neighbors knew about it. People on social media knew about it. Uh, there are people a lot of the time who knew, uh, who knows, and that's where, you know, there's got to be something that we can do, but it's it's really hard. I've had I've had opportunities to uh, speak to the police about dangerous people, maybe who are hanging around the church where I was the pastor. Okay, and I'll talk to them, and I'll bring somebody up, or sometimes they'll come talk to me. And in almost every case, the police have known about these people. In fact, my dad had a had a situation once where a guy came to his office with a shotgun and another automatic weapon and threatened to kill him. And he was guy was literally you know obviously crazy. Um, to use that word, word, I guess, more clinically. Uh, and he left. My dad called the police, and the police knew everything about that guy. They knew who he was. They knew where he lived. They knew what his name was. They knew uh, what kind of weapons he had. And they said to my dad, you need to take his threat seriously. <laughs> well, well, can you do anything, officer? Answer, no, not until he does something. And that's that is a very complicated thing, right? Because you can't, we we believe in innocent until proven guilty, and you're you're not really guilty unless you did it. It's um, and that becomes really hard. So there's somebody who the police believe is very capable of using that weapon to murder somebody. The person has actually, you know, in a way, threatened to use it, uh, but there's not enough to convict. Not enough, you know, no witnesses, no no way that that person's going to get arrested. Um, we're seeing this with people with mental challenges and other things. That's why when in these issues, I think philosophically we can talk about it. We've got to have some kind of agreement that maybe we can at least say we did what we did. Um, I'd love to hear from people on where you think we could help 
and maybe it just doesn't, right? Some article I read today said that the gun laws that are being proposed would have saved, would have stopped 35 of the uh, recent mass shootings, but there's mass shootings all the time. There's a whole other question about how those are categorized, okay? Um, it's okay, so if we had the age move from 18 to 25 or 21 to own an AR-15 or purchase one, would that have saved the lives of these kids? It might have. In this case, yes, unless this kid would have got them some other way. Um, yes, or he would wait till he's 21, right, and then do it then uh, when he's further down the path of whatever uh, uh, psychosis he's having. These are these are tough questions, and you know when we get into the the Christian side of it, what to do? The first thing is we got to do is realize we live in a fallen world where there is sinful things that happen. There are going to be tragedies happen, and ultimately the reason is sin that these things occur, and people have been murdering ever since the first sin, Cain and Abel. It began then, and there have been murders and atrocities. I think that's another thing too is that. Yes, this is a tragic circumstance for these families, but we need to make sure that we label these events not as tragedies, they're atrocities. So, you know, personally, people are feeling the the tragedy of the loss of their kids or their loved one in these shootings. But the actions of these people are atrocities. They are horrific acts. It is not, it is, we have to put more pressure on the the shooters themselves and what has led them to this path of doing these things. And as I think believers, you know, I try to imagine what Jesus would say here. And I feel like what he would tell us to do is, is get out there and make disciples. I feel like he would tell the church, he might come up, you know, if Jesus could come up and sit on the stage of your church and say exactly what we should believe about gun control, about the second amendment, about weapons in general, and he gave you that. Then I think the next thing out of his mouth would be, how are you doing at making disciples? Like whatever Jesus said, he's pro-gun, anti-gun, whatever he says. I think the very next thing he would say is, how are you doing at making disciples? Because actually, if we're better at making disciples, at leading people to Christ, about people getting on the right path, trusting God, uh, making sure they understand that they have a Father in heaven who loves them, making sure that, like this guy who tried to to, uh, maybe kill the Supreme Court justice, he says, I'm looking for purpose in my life. Well, imagine if that person went to church. Maybe he has. Maybe he has heard the gospel. Somehow he missed the point that his life does have a purpose because he's made in the image of God and he's loved by God and Jesus died for him and invites him into his kingdom. Right? I think Jesus would pressure the church on that. And whatever his opinion is on guns, I think he would say, here's what you should think about guns. And then I think he would say, and so what? Here's what you need to be doing in the sinful world until I come back. Because when he comes back, we're going to take the guns and turn them into something productive and useful. We're going to beat our swords into plowshares, right? That's coming eventually. Jesus takes care of all these questions. They're not going to be an issue one day. That's a long answer to that question. Maybe we'll get to that when we get back from the break. I'm interested in your thoughts. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on this Wednesday evening. I hope that you're doing well. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to make a comment and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. 
Today, earlier today, a man was arrested outside of Justice Kavanaugh's house who was threatening to kill him, had a gun, a knife, and some other weapons, and uh, came from California, drove across the country apparently to do this, and uh, he was arrested and arraigned earlier today. And on the Capitol Hill hearing on gun violence, uh, it's happened most of the day. I watched a bunch of it this morning. Uh, there were people on all sides of it. So what you see in the media are, you know, people kind of on the pro gun control side, but there were some people, including parents who lost kids who were on the other side of it. And we started the conversation. Somebody asked me what I thought about it. And ultimately what Jesus would do is where we left off. Uh, what would Jesus thoughts be about guns? 888-528-2557 is, your, is the number. And I asked if there are gun owners um, who might have an opinion. Are there things that we would agree on maybe legally that could be changed or is none of that going to do anything at all? 888-528-2557. William from Brea, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. William? Hi, William. How are you? How are you? I'm, uh, I'm Go ahead, William. Today, although, uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm hope you're doing okay, too. The, this, uh, this topic, of course, has been contentious since uh, before Ronald Reagan was president. Yeah, and for a long time. Yes, I, yes, I do own weapons, and yes, they're used strictly for defense of my family and my home, which is my right to, to do that. I have uh, friends who don't don't own weapons, and I don't disrespect them for their opinion. Uh, one one solution I think some people could agree on is uh, is that the uh, the criminal politicians with their armed bodyguards and their concealed carry permits. Uh, should uh, disarm themselves first before they start talking about the rest of us law-abiding citizens. Uh, There's a lot of inconsistency for sure in what people say, right? Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on uh, on the on the uh, political side. And uh, I just wanted to say a quick thing about the uh, the primary election yesterday. Uh, Part of the problem is there was no less than 15 people running for governor. And right. that I think kind it was more happens, than that. Yeah. Uh, when that kind of thing happens, it, it, uh, it, uh, it assures the uh, incumbent will remain in office, whether he's a criminal or not. And part of the problem is, of course, uh, criminal politicians who don't obey the laws that they pass. That's that's a big part of the problem. <clears throat> All right. We're talk- I'm going to get back to the gun thing, but I appreciate your call. I appreciate your call, William. And uh, he's right. I think there were over 20 people running for governor. It's another subject, the uh, primary system in California and how odd it is. Did you know that um, there will actually be a choice between a Republican and a Democrat for United States Senate for the first time in 10 years? On the ballot this time, it's been uh, two Democrats running against each other because of the open primary thing we've got in California. Uh, Sally in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello? Hi, Sally. Oh, there I just Sally. But the thing is, I wanted to ask you a question, sir. Uh, after serving for over a decade in Portugal, why did you lose your flock? in order to become a talk show host. I don't get it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I can answer. Thank you, Sally, for your, your, your question there. Um, I think you asked after uh, all this time as a pastor, why would I leave my flock for to be a talk show host? Uh, the answer is I believe that God called me to this role. I don't see it as not ministry. I see it very much as ministry. And uh, I think this conversation and really getting at the heart maybe of where we're supposed to be as Christians on some of these subjects is a very valuable thing right now for uh, the people at my former church and uh, for all of us listening. You know, I'm going to, I believe that the church is in a time where all of these things we're debating. The church has a better answer. I believe that you guys listening actually have, whatever church you go to, if you are a believer in Jesus, if your church believes in, you know, biblical Jesus and you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit, I believe that Jesus was right when he said that we are the light of the world. Uh, We're reflecting his light. Uh, But I believe that. And that means that we have an opportunity, even in these issues of the day, to say, hey, there's a better answer. And that's kind of where I'm getting at with what would Jesus ultimately say? You know, do we know how to put Jesus's words into the conversation about guns? Jesus in Matthew 26, Jesus said to, uh, this is after Peter cut off the ear of uh, the, the soldier with his knife. Uh, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he at once will send me more than 12 legions of angels? Uh, but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? There's a lot to that, um, but we have to be really careful about how we address subjects like this, because we are in a violent culture. It's a violent world. It was a violent world when Jesus was there. He told him to you know, carry the sword with you. Uh, but he doesn't want Peter to cut off the guy's ear. Jesus heals the guy. Malchus was his name. He's going to be in heaven. I think that part of what we get to do on this program as the family of Jesus is get into how we disciple people around these contentious issues. And that's something that I hope we we take from it, right, is we are having a contentious discussion about homelessness, about crime, about guns, about abortion, um, we are dividing and dividing, and our churches are dividing. I mean, you know, we could we could drop a nuclear bomb if we started to talk about vaccines or no vaccines or masks or no masks or uh, mandates, and, and churches are dividing within themselves over those subjects, just like the rest of the culture is. I think that if Jesus were to be on this microphone or if he were to sit on a stage at our church, maybe he would give us his opinion on what's right about guns or whatever. But at the same time, I think he would move us right into our calling to make disciples. And if we're going to make disciples, we need to be able to have conversation with the people that God places in our life where we don't come off uh, as crazy or angry or just partisans, but that we're able to listen and minister. We're able to change our mind if we are convinced that the Scripture would have us change it or that God would have us change it or that we would be persuasive in a biblical way to others who who need to know who Jesus is. There's a lot more to that that I can get into. I want to get your calls here, though. Laura from Northridge, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, Bill. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Laura. Hi. Um, First of all, I'm a a CCW holder and a pro-Second Amendment. Um, I've gone through biblical citizenship. I've also gone through constitutional defense. And I believe that Jesus would, would, would tell us, 
uh, fight against the evil that is totally, I believe, scriptural and, and biblical. And that's what we need to do. We are fighting against evil every day. Mm. And if that means, uh, and the, the laws, and first of all, Yavaldi, I think there's a lot more to it than we all know. Um, and I don't really believe the story that we're getting. Um, so as far as more gun control, I mean, look it, you can go vote. I voted with my teenage kids yesterday, didn't need, didn't need any kind of identification. Do you think that there are... They weren't 12-year-olds in this state, SB 866, no, no, no parental consent. These politicians are saying they can get a shot without their parents' permission. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of different... It is, it, is, it is nuts, and this is all evil. When you, uh, when you get to it with the, with the guns thing, though, what is... What, and I completely understand where you're coming from, but where is the... You know, is Jesus going to call us to take up arms against people who aren't shooting at us, or is there a better approach? Did I lose you, Laura? This is... No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm here. I believe that the Constitution was put in place by godly men, and it, we were founded on biblical principles. And well, what I'm asking is, and I'm, I'm running out of time, so I just want to get this in. Are you saying that uh, we should have guns for offensive purposes or for defensive purposes, whether against the government, you know, if the government came after us or uh, intruder to our home? Or are you saying that we need to arm ourselves and go after people who are um, doing evil? No, I'm not saying that, to arm ourselves okay. and go after yeah. people. That's, All right. you know, that, but we are to arm ourselves and protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. All right, I'm out of time. i got to let you go. I'm going to take Richie's call here real quick. Richie from Diamond Bar, I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Go, Richie. Yeah, hey, just wanted to mention, in the Bible, it talks about Gideon. The only way he was able to build a wall is he had, you know, a sword in one hand, and he was building a wall with the other hand. And that's where it says in the Bible. I'm not sure exactly what verse, but I'm sure you can go further on that. Sure, I can probably go further. Thanks for your call, Richie. I'm running out of time for today. It's a important subject for us. The, what I want to leave you with, though, is this. Wherever you come down on it, okay, I do think that at the end of the day, Jesus is going to steer us back towards loving our neighbor. I don't think you're loving or not loving, whether you believe that you should have a gun or not have a gun. I think that it's about discipleship and about saving this world, and the solution is Jesus. And the, the strategy is you and me in the church And that's what we're called to do. I'm out of time. I got to sign off. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back tomorrow from three to five. Thanks for listening.